This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Went to Mo King's Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. A week is a long time in football and in Chelsea's case that cliche is very, very much true. But the week mentioned is still not over. What lied lies ahead for us? A Conti Cup final versus Arsenal? This season's first major trophy was up for grabs. Emma Hayes and the team had a chance to banish last season's cup final defeat by Manchester City by beating a very fierce London rival in the Gunners. Then three days later, having slipped four points behind the current leaders, oblique with two games in hand, we had a WSL midweek game versus sometimes, especially for us, awkward and managerless Brighton. And then lastly, another WSL game, this time an end of the week and still to come clash against current top of the table and very much in form Manchester United. The title of tonight's show went to Mo King's Meadow episode 102 is Conte Cup final winners is for the losers. Obviously, Dean Mears is leaving his mark on this episode with that title. Remember, you can usually listen live every Tuesday at 8pm by heading to Mixler.com. That's M-I-X-L-R and searching for Went to Mo King's Meadow, where you can join in the show by posting on the live chat page. Unfortunately, as you probably guess, this is Thursday, so there'll be no Mixler because that's something that Dean originally sets up. On the show tonight, in the first part, we'll be discussing that Conti Cup final defeat to Arsenal. In the second part, we'll then look over last night's win against Brighton. In the final part, we will briefly preview Sunday's up-and-coming match versus Manchester United. So hopefully you've already worked out that Dean Mears is not with us. A release of cheers or tears can be decided by you, the listener. Obviously, I'm Dane Whittle. I'm usually a co-host. And whether it's a case of trust by him or I'm the only one still talking to him, you'll have me as your host for this episode. I obviously cannot do it all on my own. My brain and intellectual capacity does not stretch that far. So Dean has had to draft in someone who is turning into a valuable guest. She will assist me along the way with her far superior knowledge of the team, the game and football in general. Sophie Spittle, thank you for joining me tonight. Welcome back again. And how have you been? 
Thanks, Dane. Good to be back. Yeah, not too bad at all. Uh, thawed out from last night, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I suppose, right, let's get Sunday the 5th of March over and done with. Conti Cup final, a 3pm kickoff at Crystal Palace's Selhurst Park versus Arsenal with, I think it was officially 19,010 in capacity. As you know, with Chelsea's formations, they're usually open to interpretation. So we'll, for argument's sake, say a 4-2-3-1. With Ankatchenberger in goal, a back four from right back to left of Eve Perisay, Millie Bright, our captain Magdalena Eriksson and Neve Charles. In midfield, a pivot of Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert, with Jelena Shankovic in front of them, Lauren James on the right, Guru Wrighton on the left and Sam Kerr up front. This left on the bench, Musevic, Abdelina, Carter, Buchanan, Mielder, Wrighton, Canarid, Fleming and Malini Loopholes as the eight substitutes for Emma Hayes to pick from if and when needed. The match stats, according to Sky Sports, were 50% each on possession. Total shots, Arsenal had eight, Chelsea had 14. On target, Arsenal had four, Chelsea had five. Off target, Arsenal had two, Chelsea had five. Both similar amount of passes. Arsenal had 359. Chelsea had 356. Arsenal had seven corners in this game to Chelsea's two. And there were two yellow cards issued to both teams. For Arsenal, Ford. And try not to fall off your chair of surprise, Katie McCabe. And for Chelsea, Melanie Loopholes and Lauren James. First of all, Sophie, was you at Selhurst Park? And secondly, was you happy when you heard the team? Uh, yes, I was at Selhurst Park. And... I was surprised she went with an unchanged team because I think they caused us a few issues um, both at the Emirates and the previous week down the flanks. So I was surprised that she stuck with um, Neve Charles. Um, but I could understand it. They all performed well, so give them another chance. Yeah, did you... Uh, how was the atmosphere building up before game? Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty good. I was in the neutral stand, but at the Chelsea end of the neutral stand, because by the time I got my finger into gear, all the tickets in the Chelsea end had gone. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, a, yeah, it was a nice atmosphere, not um, raucous or anything like that, but there was a lot of chanting going on, a lot of singing, um, and predominantly Arsenal fans there, I would say, but there were very big blocks of Chelsea fans um, outside of the Chelsea end as well. Yeah, that was my next question. Was it like equal on uh, on, on split? But you say just, just Arsenal just shaded it. Uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. And I think I think they have got more women's fans than, than the Chelsea team have. Um, and that's just because they have been more successful than we have for a long over a longer period of time not recently obviously I also think they build up a following from people that wanted to go to football and went to the Emirates and I think um they've built up a following that way as well I know of a couple of people that got into football over the Euros and went to the Emirates and I think this is starting to show in, in some of the games that we're going to is that Arsenal fans are outnumbering us unfortunately not yeah, outnumbering it's good for the women's game but obviously quite sad that they're choosing Arsenal above Obviously us, but, you know, there you go. At least I suppose they're supporting the women's game. So let's start with that great start and maybe the only positive highlight of our game. Guru Wrighton, who I personally thought was one of the, just the, just two maybe who could hold their heads up high, produced a beautiful, undefendable cross, which Sam Kerr headed him. You know, what a start, Sophie? What did you think of the goal and, and your feelings at that time? 
Yeah, we we were at the other end from where the goal was, and Selhurst Park. I don't know if you've been. It's a very old school stadium. Yeah. Pillars in the way, and and you can't see anything even far back from the stadium when you're down. So we were all stood up and just sort of see, saw the, the the header go in. I, I couldn't see the build up to it. Um, but yeah, I was sort of dancing around all over the place, cheering, shouting, thinking, yes, they're not going to come back on this one now. Oh well, <laughs> what do I know? See, I haven't been there for a long time. Years when you'd go over there and you'd have regularly defeat to either uh, Crystal Palace or. Uh, or Wimbledon when they were sharing the ground with them uh, all those years ago and it would either be in right or Mark Bright scoring against us and I can remember plenty yeah. of rainy nights over there but I haven't been there for a while. Uh, you know, despite Chelsea almost producing a carbon copy of that first goal, Arsenal were never deterred by going 1-0 down. They were harassing us, pressuring us and pushing us so far back. A goal from Arsenal on the 16th minute from Black Stinius was coming. A bit scrappy with a ricochet off Ericsson that fell nicely for the goal scorer. But like I said, Sophie, it was coming, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was definitely coming. It'd been coming from probably a couple of minutes after we scored. Um, And it wasn't a surprise when it happened. Um, They were just, yeah, they were hungrier than us. They were they're getting the ball, um, playing it quicker than us and, and exploiting the the areas they'd exploited in previous games. And we hadn't, we hadn't, done anything to change that that system to allow them to stop them exploiting those 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 spaces in between the full backs and the centre backs. I thought all that their whole forward play just looked so more livelier. I know there was a lot of talk of Black Stinnis like being being used in the deal to try and get Alexia Russo from Manchester United and you know she could come back with a towel between her legs and 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 got the ump and and, and not perform much but she's she's almost showing you know arsenal and their manager what they nearly got rid of uh, so i'm not going to praise them for that but uh so in the 22nd minute with the pressure fully on probably fully on 100% on us at this stage a ball into the box fell at Katie McCabe's feet good control by her a flick to the left saw Katie go down under Sophie Ingalls challenge uh, penalty or not, Sophie, because she looked like she was already going down. Not that I'm questioning Katie's honesty or integrity as a player. Obviously, I'm rolling my um, eyes that people can't see. For, for for where we were sat, we were in line with it. We all sat back and said pen straight away. So, yeah, I, I couldn't see that she was going down beforehand. Um, I wasn't surprised it was a pen and I, I didn't query it. I just thought, oh, here we go again. Did you watch? Did you did you watch the highlights or anything afterwards and change your mind? Or no, I've not seen the highlights. I've I've been a very, I've had a very hectic week. I've not had time to sit down and to to turn around, let alone <laughs> watch the highlights of of the game. So yeah, you'd you'd really have to break the play down to see if she bought the penalty. You know, it's harsh to criticise a player nowadays because it's just accepted. You know, they sort of get. Uh, commended for for buying penalties in a way and it's it's not classed as a dive it's more classed as being smart it's a hard one you know I know we all have feelings about her it's almost like the Diego Costas of the world if they're playing against you you hate them if they're part of your team you adore them and I would like to see her in a blue shirt of Chelsea whether it happens or not but seeing her play against us it is frustrating because, you know, she's a wind-up merchant. She's a tough player. She gets in your faces. She's guaranteed a yellow card. So it's always worth putting a, a, a bet on that. Uh, and she's always up for it. Uh, and you usually, you usually hate those players, but sometimes maybe over the years, you know, when, when, when retirement comes in and she doesn't play anymore, you know, she might get respected more. But, yeah, she's definitely, uh, it's definitely not liked too much by the Chelsea fans. 
A uh, little dispatch of a penalty away, sending Berger the wrong way. What were your feelings at this point, Sophie? Uh, were you worried? Um, I was frustrated. Um, definitely frustrated. I'm not sure whether worried is the right word. I, I thought we might come back, but I I could see Arsenal coming on more and more strongly they they weren't letting us settle they weren't letting us play our football every time Lauren James got the ball they seemed to work out how to tackle her to get it off of her mm. um and yeah it it I was hoping that we could get to 2-1 half time and then make some changes and come out strong in the second half at that point I think they were playing a, tactically a very good game and not just in position wise, it also in in the uh, tactical fouling, you know, when to go down, the goalie went down three times. And as uh, someone pointed out on Twitter, you know, it's hard to again criticize that because we've seen Ancatrin Berger smartly do that over the years. You know, you're playing a you're playing a game to an extent and you 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 you're trying to uh you know, just to be a bit sneaky. So when it happens against you, again, it, it's it's not easy to take, but you can totally understand because if it was vice versa and we was doing it, we'd, we'd probably just be laughing. Uh, so, so you know, harsh, I think Chelsea was slowly starting to come back into it. I think uh, a tactical change and an early substitution, which saw Kadisha Buchanan come along for Helena Jankovic in the 40th minute, could still not stop Arsenal taking a 3-1 lead five minutes later. You know, it's harsh on Yelena, Sophie. Uh, thought by taking her off, you limited our attacking threat with her gone and Guru pushed back. You know, maybe hindsight and, and leaving her on the bench as an extra attacking option, you know, as 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 if you look at that bench, the attacking options was weak. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I thought at the time it, it kind of made a little bit of sense. But as you say, with hindsight and looking what happens the rest of the game, it definitely limited our attacking options. Um, I thought bringing Buchanan on made a difference in terms of our solidity at the back and playing three at the back. They weren't able to exploit the, the gaps they had been exploiting mm. earlier in the game. But by then bringing on Melanie Lerpols at half-time, it almost negated taking Chankovic off. So I was a little bit, what was the point of that? Surely it would have been better to have left Kankovic on and take somebody else off if she's going to bring Leopold's on at half time. So I was a little bit confused by that, I must admit. Yeah, I thought, as I said, I thought it took us out on two fronts with, with Jankovic and then Guru obviously having to, to, to drop deeper a little bit, almost to wing back. It, it took out her attacking threat because, as I said earlier on, she was our, I thought, one and only outlet who was, who, who was looking really impressive. So... Back to that Arsenal third goal, you know, it was a corner into the box. Uh, and Katchenberger sort of come flapping and flapped at thin air. You know, it left uh, it left the, the goal open. Neve Charles was, was sort of exposed a little bit, as was the rest of the defence. You know, the ball took a flick off Neve and into the empty net. You know, it was a horrible time to concede a goal, Sophie. You know, as I thought we were slowly coming into it without looking outstanding. I thought we, tactically and positionally, we started to look a bit better. But, you know as we were starting to show a bit slowly, but it was slowly, but there were signs. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that free, that free third goal sort of killed us, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. As I said, if we could have got to half time at 2-1, I was thinking, we'll get into the changing rooms, then we'll sort it out. They'll have an, a, a discussion amongst themselves, come back out and we'll see a different Chelsea. But yeah, that, that third goal just seemed to knock the stuffing out of them and they came out in the second half and yeah, it was nil-nil the second half, but 
did we really create any genuine chances? I'm not sure we did. So no, I think it was. It, I'm not saying it's the defining moment. I think it was the final moment of the game that conceding that goal just before half time. Yes, as I said, I thought we 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 started to come back into it slightly. You know, for a good half an hour, we'd been completely outrun, outclassed, and outfought by Jonas Erdevel's Arsenal. You know, and it, yeah, it was a killer just before half time. In the break, Emma took off Neve Charles and replaced her with many Lilpoles, as you alluded to. You know, she stated after the game she could have made loads of changes. You know, so in that aspect, was you surprised she only made one? No, because I think you need in that situation you've already made a substitution so you're already making another one you've then only got three left and if you're used to making four or five substitutions in the second half you don't want to limit yourself um by making maybe another couple of changes at half time that only then leaves you one change for the whole of the rest of the rest of the game and if we had got back into it you might want to have used that um that substitution in a slightly different way so I wasn't surprised. I was so surprised that Leopold came on, but I wasn't surprised that Charles went off. Ten minutes into the second half, and we had produced three sighters at goal, so we were definitely looking a lot livelier. And to be fair, Arsenal did not have to change much as it was working for them. It was up to us to find that way through. Uh, did you ever feel, you know, I think the there was a sighter from, I think Sam Kerr won through, but she got out-muscled, I think, for a corner. I think Aaron Cuthbert... Uh, had had there was a cross to the box and she 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 got touching and just went wide and I think loopholes as well had a long shot you know was you was you starting to think if we could just get that one goal back and then there's there's still so much all to play for yeah I think if we if we could have got that one goal back definitely but my thought processes in the second half were let's just not concede any more goals mm. I couldn't I couldn't see us winning it I, I don't know why I just couldn't see us getting back into it so um, it was let let's let's obviously go for it but let's not concede anymore let's not really make it out of our out of our own hands um i mean those lurepole shots they they were sighters it was good to see her back on the pitch and, and taking those shots um corners generated excitement but well it's the pessimist in me i just couldn't see us getting back into it yeah it was again it was a little bit desperate because i remember thinking the more we pushed for that second goal and away back into the game, the more exposed we were at the back. I think Perise looked open to attack, you know, every time. And that's for the first time this season. Magdalena Eriksson was being dragged positionally all over the place. So although it was worth the risk, uh, uh, but nail biting when when Arsenal counterattacks us, which they were trying to uh, obviously pick us off, they almost sort of sat back for a little while. Uh, Joanna writing Canrid replaced Sophie Ingle after six three minutes, and with the game slowly drifting away from Chelsea, Jesse Fleming replaced Magdalena Rex and on the seventy seventh minute, toughed out the office for Magdalena Sophie. Yeah, yeah. After the Arsenal league win, no, the FA Cup win, um, we all said, "Oh, it was so nice to see Millie and Magda back." It was just sort of like safe, um, and then that kind of disappeared at the weekend. That that safety that they provide disappeared. And I don't know if it was because they hadn't been playing together because Magda's not played much, if it was the the full backs, if it was Blackstinius knowing how Magda plays. I don't know. But that, yeah, that that it just wasn't working in that first half until Buchanan came on. It was a tough, tough day at the office for Magda. And um it's a shame because I, I obviously we want to see her see her see her succeed and see her her play. Um, but if she keeps having more games like that, I, I think we'll see less and less of her, unfortunately. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the game finished 3-1. At the end of the day, like passengers on a train, we were carrying too many of them. Lots of huffing and puffing, but just not good enough. No quality in our part. You know, your end of game thought, Sophie. And, and if anything, you would have done differently in hindsight if 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 you was Emma? Um, end of game thoughts. I wasn't surprised. I said to Dean last week, I was hoping that we wouldn't get a bloody nose. And that's exactly what did happen. They came and gave us a bloody nose. Um, I think they adapted to our tactics better than we adapted to their tactics. Uh, surprised Buchanan... With hindsight, Buchanan probably should have started, whether that was a back three or whether that was maybe moving Magda out to left back and playing Millie and, and, and Buchanan. Um, and not, as you say, not moving Guru back to left wing back and keeping her as part of the uh, the front three because she was our main um, main chance of Sam Kerr scoring because the, the relationship they've got um, on the pitch is absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, disappointing disappointing day at the office we've we, we've now just got to see what the rest of the season holds and hopefully the team will come back from that stronger and, and learn from from those mistakes I think the thing that really frustrated me and it was obvious in some of the previous games is we lose possession of the ball too easily mm-hmm. and that worries me with the march we've got coming up if we can't keep hold of possession of the ball then the teams we're going to play will completely exploit that and we'll be in the same situation as we were against Arsenal on Sunday and to add to that, I think our, our squad is really starting to look stretched recently, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think we miss Penilla and Fat Fran at the moment. Um, we're having to rely on Sam. She's she looks very isolated sometimes with that, um, with the midfield and the wide players. Um, and I, you just wonder if Penilla and Fran had been on the pitch on Sunday, if 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 the same thing would have happened. Um yeah, everyone's going on about Arsenal missing Beth Mead and Vivian Meadmar and yeah, are missing them, but nobody seems to comment on the fact that we're missing two of our best players in Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder. So, and we yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, even going on that from the commentary, commentary, you know, the amount of times they mentioned Beth Mead and Meadamire, and yeah, it was it's frustrating that Penilla or, or Fran was hardly mentioned. Right. In recent times, we've had Arsenal and, and Jonas Elderville's number when it mattered. But in this case, and I'm gritting my teeth whilst I'm saying this, he clearly done his homework. After our 2-0 FA Cup win the previous week, his tactics really did outclass us in every way. Afterwards, Emma Hayes, clearly and understandably angry, said it was the difference between one team who had not won a lot and the other team who had, which I think so many took the wrong way, as she clearly meant the team we saw today, not Arsenal as a club and historically and traditionally. She said Arsenal were superior on all levels. No one played well. And if she could have made 11 subs, she would have. She also said it got to the point where nothing she could have done would have worked. That's pretty damning, Sophie, isn't it? Yeah. And I think whilst I agree with elements of what she said, I also think that she probably got the tactics wrong. Um, As you said, Jonas had learned and adapted his tactics. We didn't. We just went with the same team, the same setup. Um, and they exploited it, and they got that. Early, they got that that equaliser. As soon as they got that equaliser, it was almost like the, the players just lost it completely. Um, so whilst I agree, and I was getting really frustrated with the players on on Sunday because it felt like they weren't trying, and I'm sure that's not the case because of their professional players. Um, so I can see what 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 she said, um, but I still think that she's a little she's she's culpable for the result as well. 
I think, you know, to an extent, especially with Arsenal in, in recent years, apart from the odd game, you know, especially the, the, the FA Cup where we won 3 0, uh, it seems like we we just sort of like just about stay in there and just hang on. Uh, if you look about the recent 1 1 draw, even 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 the 2 0 win, it seems like we take a lot of pressure and manage just to just to get the result. But you know, to be fair to him, he's had a whole week to see what's gone wrong. He's seen the games in, in, in recent months or seasons where they haven't put us to bed. And to be fair, they did this time. And you could see clearly see when that third goal went in, he finally allowed himself with a bit of emotion to get quite excited about it. You know, I'm not here to praise him, you know, but, you know, he clearly done a, a job on us, which is frustrating because he's bloody annoying as well. Right, I've, uh, I'm just going to read out our one and only email of the week. Dean passed it on to me a little bit late, so I'm going to wing this part as I'm reading it off my phone. And I'll get you to comment on it afterwards, Sophie. So this is obviously uh, addressed to Dean. Hi, Dean. I hope you're well. If it's any interest, here are some thoughts on the Conti Cup final from a Johnny-come-lately Euros bandwagon jumper who only started going to women's football this season. I love the honesty. I go by yet another Ben on Mixler. I was sitting in this seat in the White Horse Lane end, and he, he sent a picture, obviously, what you guys can't see nicely of his view from the game. Maybe it would help if we had a simple one-word chant without a tune to get wrong. I suppose traditionally and historically we've got the Chelsea-Chelsea one. Whenever the Arsenal fans chanted, Arsenal, 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 it was loud, a lot louder than it sounded on TV. I thought it was loud at the Emirates in January, but it sounded even louder yesterday in the ground. You can't get the words wrong, obviously. You can't sing out a tune and you can't stop and start at the wrong place. Simple. As a newbie, it feels like quite a commitment to join in a chant. Easy to get it wrong and feels a bit daft. So I wait for it to get going and for enough people to be chanting it before I join in. One word. No tune repeated would be easiest. Number two. I thought Blue Army might start up at some point. It did in the north stand at King's Meadow in the snow when Reading pulled back a couple of goals and it got loud and the hairs on the back of, of, of his neck stood up. It's two words, but anyway, it seemed we were louder that night than yesterday. Did they sing Blue Army at King's Meadow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Is that a well-known one? He goes on, in any case, the Arsenal chant sounded much louder to me in the ground than on iPlayer, both yesterday and near the start of the game at King's Meadow the Sunday before. Maybe due to where I was sitting or how they mix their sound on TV. Just my thoughts. All the best, Ben. Uh, thanks for the email, Ben. You know, don't be harsh on yourself. You know, you can join football and love football whenever you want. And it's good that you're taking an interest and taking us to stuck extreme events to actually go into the games. Uh, Sophie, at the game, do they use the uh, the familiar Chelsea chant that is used at the men's one? You know, just the one, Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. No, that's... There's been a couple of attempts to get it going, but I think it's not well known enough amongst the the women supporters. I think the most the most loud Chelsea chant we get at Chelsea is either Blue Army or the Chelsea one. Oh, okay. Everybody joins in on that one because, as as Ben said, it's one word you can't get it wrong, and because mm. you're doing the clapping, you're already sort of involved in it. So they seem to be the two most loudly sung ones, I would say, amongst the Chelsea fans. It's funny because the clap one you just said, well, that's historically as 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 traditional in the in the men's uh, side of the men's team as as the uh, the Chelsea Chelsea one we 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 just said. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love that Chelsea Chelsea one. I remember men's games. I know we're not talking about men's football where we've sung it for like twenty minutes. Yes, it's yeah. absolutely brilliant. If we can get that going um, somehow, then then I think that that works really well because it annoys the opposition just like that Arsenal and the Irons one West Ham fans have yeah. annoys us. So. Yeah, it does annoy the opposition. People have been going on about it for years. And and like Ben alluded to with the Arsenal, you know, that, that clearly, you know, if you clearly can wind up fans and it's easy for the Arsenal to support. And even like the, as he said, with Johnny come lately, new supporters, it's easy for them to get involved. And I'm surprised Chelsea, the Chelsea uh, women's fans haven't adopted that. Right, uh, we'll be back after this short break. In part two, we'll review the midweek WSL game versus Brighton. Before we do that, this is the perfect opportunity to announce that copies of King's Meadow Chronicle, the brand new Chelsea FC women fanzine, are available online via King's Meadow, King's Meadow Chronicle.bigcartel.com. King's Meadow Chronicle features a host of great writers, such as our lovely guest tonight, Sophie, Rebecca Grasby, Clayton Beerman, Harry Edwards, the not currently present Dean Mears, and sometimes me, amongst many others. Issue four, as far as I'm led to believe, was released just before the FA Cup fifth round fixture versus Arsenal. But I don't know if Dean was selling them outside the ground. I have received mine in the post. Right now, you can get your copy of issues one, two and three from Kings Meadow Chronicle, bigcartel.com on a special three for two offer. So all three physical copies are just £3 plus postage and PDF for just £1.50. And sometimes Dean on Twitter will do like special deals, you know, if you uh you go online now and go to go to that address you know you can get you know buy one or buy two get one free and and all things like that so you know keep an eye on our twitter account for for special deals that dean will uh, come up with when you follow a big team like chelsea one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match especially when it's away and not live on tv in the uk what can you do Get updates from your mates, follow online commentary, listen to the radio. Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.
Right, welcome back to part two of Went to Mo King's Meadow. I'm Dane Whittle, and luckily Sophia stuck around to talk about the WSL 3-1 win versus Brighton. Last night, we had the chance to get our form back on track in the WSL with a home tie versus Brighton at King's Meadow. Our opponents, who had just sacked their German manager, Jens Schuer, sorry if I pronounced that terribly, after only two months and six games in the job. Uh, they came into the match with some mixed form, but off the back of a 5-0 FA Cup fifth round win versus Comchi City, they had Amy Merrick's and temporary charge for the second time this season. Emma Hayes made seven changes to her starting eleven. With Musovic in goal, a back four of Marin Melder, Kadisha Buchanan, Millie Bright and Jess Carter. A midfield of Melanie Lopoles making her first start of the season. She was joined by Jesse Fleming, Yelena Chankovic, Joanna Wrighton-Canerid and Guru Wrighton, leaving Sam Kerr once again up front on her own. The formation was once again open to interpretation. 4-4-2 out of possession, 3-4-3 in possession or 4-2-3-1. I could not decide. Maybe Sophie can enlighten me. The formation, Sophie, and what did you make of the first team and all the changes? Um, the formation, I think, as you say, it could have been anything. And I think that's the way football goes these days. There's no real set formation. Um, the changes, I wasn't surprised. I thought this would always be a game where where she rung the changes with the Conti Cup final behind us and Manchester United ahead of us. Um, I was surprised to see Leopold start, but really chuffed to see that. That was really good. Um Chankovic deserved to start after her her performance. I thought was yeah being taken off at, uh, um, just before half time on Sunday and her performances from the rest of the uh, rest of the season so far. Um, and disappointed but not surprised that Magda hadn't, didn't start. So um, yeah, going back to the um, Millie Magda partnership and then seeing Buchanan on the pitch you realise that when she doesn't play and then when you see her play again, she brings something extra to that defence. Um, it was it was quite a, a revelation, should we say, for me last night, sort of thinking, oh, Magda and Millie were, were the partnership. And then seeing Magda, um, Millie and Kadisha Buchanan in there, it looked regular. It looked like they knew how to play with each other again. So, mm. yeah, I was um, pleasantly surprised by that pairing again. Do you think all those changes were made to play like particularly more open, knowing that Brighton would be very deep and defensive? You know, sometimes when you take a regular team and regular tactics against the Brighton, uh, you can risk the structure because we all thought, we all foresaw what Brighton's tactics would be, and maybe making all those changes, we, we play a little bit more open with players like more keen to impress. Yeah, potentially, but looking at it the other way, you've got two defensive fullbacks playing in Jess Carter and Maren Mielder, although Maren did a brilliant job of attacking. Um, she was almost playing in midfield for a lot of the game. Um, and so that that sort of, that didn't resonate with me in the fact that you've got two more defensive fullbacks rather than the two attacking fullbacks we played against Arsenal. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens on Sunday as a result of that. But as I say, Mar it, it wasn't really 4-4-2 because I think Maren was playing in midfield for a lot of the game. Um and Jess was sort of quite central some of the time as well. So at one point, they were even on the opposite sides from each other as well for about five minutes. So it was very fluid. It's funny because, as you said, you know, the modern footballer really has to adapt. You know, you, you're trying to, it's hard to to pinpoint what, what formation it is because one minute, you you know, you were looking at Marin and she's like right back and then she, 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 she's gone past, you know, 
Canyred and and then she's more centrally. You know, I first noticed it under Tuchel in the men's team when when Reese James and 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 Chilwell were playing, and they you'd see them in centre midfield all of a sudden for for a couple of minutes, and you thought, what's going on there? And you suppose you're trying to get that advantage over the opposition, and 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 you're seeing it now with the women's game. To be fair, Emma's been doing it for a while. You know, like whether it's what formation we are in possession and out of possession, and and you really have to be a fit. A fit player to one minute be on the right and then possibly be in the midfield again and then maybe on the right wing and it's it, it's adapting in in that second and in that aspect of uh, play. On the bench we had Anne Katrinberger, see Ericsson back there, Charles Perisay, Abdelina Ingle, Lauren James, and the seventeen-year-old uh, Amy Claypole. Were, were you excited to see Amy on the bench, Sophie? And are you excited for her future? Yeah, I was excited to see her on the bench. Um... I believe she came on in the FA Cup away at Villa last season because I think I was there and I think her and Emma Thompson both made their, made their debuts on that day. Um, I may be misremembering, so apologies if I am. But it was great to see her on the bench um, and great to see her get some minutes. I was hoping that we'd be like 4-0 up at half-time and she might get a little bit longer. But yeah, no, it was really good to see her come on and get some minutes at the end of the game. You was definitely right. She definitely made a, a debut last season and then her... And did you say it was Emma as well? Emma, Emma Thompson, who's down Emma Thompson, her and Emma Thompson were then non-use subs for the next couple of games, I I believe. So I remember thinking, uh, and it, it was a great experience for them because, as we said, she, you know, she, she's only 17. In attendance, according to most outlets, was an unusually low 916. Uh, surprised by this, Sophie? You know, we have to add that there's been a lot of games recently, cost of living crisis, and, and it sometimes it's just too hard to go to every game. Um. I wasn't surprised. I was slightly disappointed. Um, but I still think the atmosphere was there, generated by the 900-odd of us that were there. Um, mm. It felt more in the ground, but having looked back at some of the TV pictures and seeing um, some of the stands, it probably was about right. Um, but yeah, it was freezing as well. It was absolutely bitter last night, so it didn't surprise me that that it wasn't a big crowd. I'm as I say, disappointed it was below a thousand. I, I thought it might at least be fifteen hundred, but um, it just shows that there's still a long way to go. Was there snow in Kingston? Do you know, or had it gone? Did you know? No, it was just wet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I know there was a snow lots of parts of London, especially the outskirts. I only knew there was definitely like an Epsom and Tadworth. That was my yeah. knowledge. I mean, of it, that. It, it it might there might have been snow early that morning, um, but it had gone by the time the game kicked off, um, and the pitch was impeccable. Yeah, it always does look impeccable, to be fair. With Chelsea looking very lively early on, we nearly scored after a cross-off shot from right in Canard that was either drifting just wide or not. Either way, it was cleared. You know, I thought early on her and Chankovic and Gru were looking very dangerous. Yeah, definitely. I was in the south stand standing and, of course, a lot of the players at the other end of the pitch and it's quite difficult to work out exactly what's going on when you're at the other end of the pitch. But you can you could tell that Canarid... Chankovic and Wrighton were interchanging behind Sam Kerr and causing the defence problems because they didn't know where to go. I think if that Canneridge shot come cross hadn't been cleared, Sam Kerr would have had a tap in at the back post, to be fair. <laughs> so I yeah. think it would have been a goal. Um, but yeah, no, um, as I say, being at the other end of the pitch, it was it was difficult to determine exactly the play, but you could still see a lot of the interplay that was going on. And I thought Marin was involved in a lot of that interplay as well. Yeah, uh, she's always been my favourite player, Marin. It's, you know, I don't know if her 
career is is slowly uh, you know falling out it's we, you haven't seen a lot of her this year so it was lovely to see her start uh mentioning elena sophie you know she, she showed ultimate professionalism with how she handled being taken off in the first half versus arsenal add that with this performance last night which i thought was very good you know the future is bright with her isn't it yeah definitely um I think what pleased, well, I think we've always known what she can do from from an attacking point of view. What pleased me and didn't surprise me, but we hadn't necessarily seen from her before, was she wasn't just playing as the number ten. She was dropping further deep into midfield if Leopold or Fleming pushed forward, and she was doing a lot, a lot of the dirty work in midfield as well last night, which I thought was was really pleasing to see and, and good to know that she can do that if we need her to. Mm, I thought she grew last night. I, you know, we've seen glimpses we, we we we've seen some 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 really stellar moments and then we think is this the time we're going to see uh you know a run in in the team and then obviously on sunday must have been very disappointing for her and and then to come back with that performance was you know was you know was good for her and it was consistent uh, of course the whole 90 minutes either as, as sorry as well it wasn't in and out of the game it was yeah. consistent across the whole 90 minutes which which is hard you know uh, yeah. having Having, you know, again, sorry for mentioning the men's, but, you know, you would watch players like Eden Hazard for the men's and you can't you can't turn it on for 90 minutes. You know, you have spells and you have this and that. But as long as you have those spells regularly and all through a game, then uh, then then it's a bonus. And, and supporters like you will notice. In the 11th minute, we were awarded a penalty, Sophie. Was it a penalty? Was it initially offside? Did you expect Marin to take it? I did expect Marin to take it. I mean, she, she picked the ball up and then she sort of walked away and I went, Marin's not taking it. So we said, no, no, Guru's taking it. Well, it kind of makes sense. She has been the penalty taker this season because she's been on the pitch, um, whereas none of the other penalty takers have been. Um, so I guess she earned the right to take it. But I was really surprised that Marin didn't take it and a little bit disappointed because I'd love to have seen her get a goal. It was definitely was a penalty, but did you think it was initially offside? Having seen it on TV since, yes, I couldn't tell from where I was in the game, in, in the ground. But having seen it on TV, it would appear that she was offside but then equally I think the goal she scored probably wasn't offside so it's it irons itself mm. out doesn't it yeah no it does it, it is it does it definitely even itself out over the season you know the penalty was brilliantly put away by Guru though you know her form recently has been outstanding I thought she had a slight dip about six to eight weeks ago but she's she's back to playing you know she plays as much as Sam and Millie so it's not surprising that these these, these players can have dips every now and again but I really believe her levels are up there anyone else in the world football at the moment and have been for 18 months now I, I suppose Sophie you know you watching her live week in week out especially from the fan view and the stadium view you know it must be an absolute pleasure. Yeah definitely equally I think it's actually easier to to watch to appreciate her from TV than it is at the game, hmm. especially when you're standing from behind a goal, because you can't always see the angle of the passes and stuff that she's making. Whereas on TV, it's really obvious because you've got a better view of the whole pitch. Um, but I think she's definitely, definitely back to her best, as you said. And I wonder how much of that is to do with the fact that Lauren James is in the team and maybe she's now got a little bit more space and time to 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 play because defenders are concentrating on Lauren. Now I know Lauren wasn't in the team last night, um, but I I just wonder if there's an element of that. So she's she and that's allowed her to get her confidence back. And her passes into Sam round the back of the defenders are absolutely incredible. They they are passes of beauty. Um, and again, I think you can appreciate them more on TV than you can from behind a goal in in the game. 
Well, that's what, you know, that's what Dean needs to realise. He keeps on digging me for not going, but he goes, Jane goes, but you need me to sit at home in the armchair to watch her, to give a different view and a different angle of all the... Uh... But I, 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 joking aside, I really do believe she's up there with any, at, at the moment with anyone else in world football. Uh, talking of our uh, wonderful Norwegian, her corner led to our second goal. Swing and a miss from Buchanan fell nicely to Jess Carter, who finished well. A good goal and Sunday starting to be slowly forgotten, Sophie. Yeah. I mean, at 1-0, I was thinking, we've got this game in the bag. At 2-0, I was like, yeah, we can we can just try and score a load of goals and hopefully rest people for 45 minutes. It didn't actually end up like that. But, um, yeah, we didn't know, for, I say, because I was at the other end of the ground, we had no idea who scored it. We just had to wait until the announcer announced it was Jess Carter um, because it was, it was just a melee of blue bodies. And it was like that for most of the first half. We It was just seemed to be constantly up that end. Um just pressure, pressure, pressure. It's uh, in the thirty-second minute. A guru, once again, Guru and Kerr link up. Nearly saw our third goal, but it was ruled out for offside. Was that the one you was alluding to? Yeah, I what saw that on telly, sort of a, a clip on that on telly earlier, and it was really close. And you just wonder with VAR and if they'd had VAR and stuff, whether whether she would have been declared offside or not. I think she probably was just, but it was super close. Yeah, she does like to play on that on that line right on the edge of the uh, the shoulders of the defenders. Half time came with us two 0 up. You know, I don't think Brighton was playing bad. They were set up quite well and they were looking energetic. Emma did not make any changes at half time. Did you agree with this, Sophie? I was a bit weary of the number of attacks down our left side, uh, Brighton's right side. Um, I wasn't surprised because it was only two 0 and I think. Emma probably wanted to make sure the game had seen out with that group of players before she rested anybody. There's a reason why she chose those players. Um, so I wasn't surprised. Um, if we'd scored more goals, then we might have seen them earlier. I was um I wasn't aware of the amount of attacks down their right side. Was that Katie Robinson that was Yeah, you know, as I she's a very good player, isn't she? Yeah, as the grain grew in the second half, Brighton were growing more confident, probably inspired by, as you said, the newly Katie Robinson, newly capped by England, and she's a little live wire, isn't she? Yeah, I also think Brighton played uh, further up the pitch. They played further against our defence in the second half, which made the difference. We weren't allowed, we weren't able to play the passes out with time like we were in the first half. So I think they changed their tactics to cut mm. and that caused us more problems in the second half as well. Which does this does show a good manager. I wonder if she has any ambitions. You know, I don't think she's only 30, I think they, they mentioned last night Merricks and you know show, show, shows you know very smart and, and brave to change the tactics against the current champions and one of the best teams that you know in world football. But you know, live by the saw you die by. Uh, Chelsea nearly put the game out of reach in the 6-6 minute. Again, more great play by our guru, who put a cross on the plate for Sam Kerr. Unfortunately, our, dead, our deadly Aussie forward missed. You know, I find it hard to criticise Sam Sophie, and she could be running an empty, but she really should have scored there, shouldn't she? Um, it was a, Having been behind it, that was a brilliant save. If you're talking about the one where Lydia Williams saved it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it was a brilliant save. It, it, she, it just... She put her foot there, um, and it just rebounded off of her foot it could have looped over and in on another day it might have done but I I think that's not Sam missing that's a great save 
Yeah, sometimes you do have to give credit to uh, her goal, the goalkeeper, and and you know, so her international teammates. She might have been a little bit smart to what uh, what Sam was going to do, but in that instance, as you say, a ball's put across the box. As long as you get your foot to it and 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 hope you can get it on target, then you've got a chance. But in this in this instance, I think it was like you said, it was a very good save. You know, it did not last long though. As as only five minutes later, the outstanding Guru right and put Sam Kerr through on goal. One-on-one, Sam had Joanna Wright and Canuid running beside her. Sam unselfishly squared it to Joanna for a tap-in and her first goal in a Chelsea shirt, I believe. Unselfish by Sam, Sophie, or knowing her one-on-one troubles, or she just took the sensible option? I think when you look at the play, and again from behind the goal, Canuid had an open goal. Sam had the goalkeeper between her and the goal. So, yes, it was unselfish. But I think it was also the safe option because Canarid had an open goal and Sam would have had to have still beaten the goalkeeper. Yeah, she. I, I, to be fair to Sam, she she would do that. She will. If there's a better option to pass, she, she's such an intelligent player. She will pass. And I know, you know, she she does get a lot of criticism on social media's uh, for her one-on-one missed chances, which 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 there is a lot of. But you know, she she more than makes up of it on other areas of her. Of her play, whether it will be like outstanding shots, the movement, the, the snapshots that she has, uh, just reactions in general, and and her headers for for such a small striker as well. So being three 0 up, Emma thought it was safe to finally bring some subs on. Charles and Abdelina on for Kerr and Gruer in the seventy sixth minute. It was nice to see Abdelina given some time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, she, when she's come on previously this season, she's looked really good. She's looked really pacey and and determined and and added something down that left side a little bit different to Guru she's more a runner with the ball rather than a passer um I'm not I I don't think she had the run of the game today like she has in other games um and I just want to comment about Neve Charles talk about versatile there she was coming on as a striker again so she's gone from Mm. back to striker in two games so um yeah you've you've got to feel a little bit sorry for her but admire the fact that she can do that but why not just give Amy Claypole that last 15, 20 minutes at 3-0 I don't know. I was thinking about that. And I wonder if she's only 17, if she's still at school, she's probably not training full time. Mm, true. So in the pace of the WSL, so it might be that actually sort of like 10 minutes maximum at that pace was sort of like what they figured was the optimum amount of time for her. Um, I'm just hypothesising. I don't know that she's, she's not training full time. Um, that, that's just my my theory behind it, maybe. Well, we did not have to wait long for Amy as as her and Ingle came on in the 80th minute for Millie Bright and Melanie Loopholes. You know, so if it was nice to see Loopholes start her first game and what did you think of her over the 80 minutes? I thought in the first half she was absolutely superb. I'd forgotten what a good footballer she is. <laughs> Isn't that the case when mm. players, when you're missing players, they either become better in your mind or worse in your mind. And Melanie Loopholes had, had definitely not become worse, but I hadn't appreciated just how good she was and some of the touches and the way she created space and her elegance on the ball was was something that was really nice to see. I thought she tired in the second half, yeah. but it was great that she got 80 minutes under her belt. So going from 45 minutes on Sunday to 80 minutes today, um, I think that's really good and bodes really well for us for the rest of the season. Emma seems to think she's not far away from from being considered to start every game again. And it was quite nice because before the game in the commentary, it was it did a little piece with her. And it was nice that, again, you know, it was less mentioning of Chelsea losing the uh, Conti Cup final on Saturday, uh, sorry, on Sunday, and more of how we handled her during her recent pregnancy and, and us as a club and, and lots of praise, which was nice. And then again, it was mentioned to 
to Emma afterwards. So, you know, I still think we're, we're, we're moving strides more than most clubs. And, it, you know, it's, it's a credit to us and everyone else in the club, how, how we did handle her getting, getting pregnant and having the baby and looking after her and giving her that new contract. Cause a lot of clubs, you know, have, have, have shown, shown their true colors with, 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 with players that have got pregnant, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think she was right when she said it helps that Emma's had a child in the last few years. Uh, Tonya Oxford also got a young son, hasn't she? Mm. Um, and previously, um, when Hedvig Lindahl was at the at the club, I believe she's got, got um, children as well. Obviously, she didn't give birth to them, but I think she's got kids as well. So the club are obviously used to having young children around the place um, from other people um, in and around the team. So I think that helped. Um, and yet, no one's going to understand the importance of things like pelvic floor coaches more than somebody that's been through it themselves. Yes. So, yeah. They did sort of half, you know, allude to and mention it afterwards. Brighton did get probably a deserved consolation in the 88th minute. I think it was, I think it was the captain, Julia Ulmer. Is that badly pronounced again? You know, I think, I think it was her race through the middle of our pitch. Uh, Buchanan got sucked across slightly but almost made an impressive recovery tackle in the space she left, but it bounced the wrong way and fell to Danielle Carter, who poked home. So, Sophie, no clean sheet again. Bad defending, tiredness, fatigued, Brighton deserving, all um, of the above. <laughs> when Danny Carter came on, I turned to the, the people I go with and said she always scores against us. So I think mm. it's just Danny Carter always scoring against us. <laughs> you give her half a chance and she'll score. Um, Buchanan's block, I thought, was superb. Um, and Musevich made herself big but I don't know if she was in the right place in order to do that or whether it was just as I say a good toe put from from Dan Carter um I think as Emma said let's not dwell on it you've taken Millie off uh you move Jess into center um as a center back um Dan Carter always scores against us so I think it's just a one of those things yeah, I like me, you know, this is a player who's played at the highest level internationally as well. Very unlucky with injuries. You know, 29 is still a good age as a footballer. You just wonder if if, if someone like that, especially in the, in, in the predicament we're in, you know, would be happy to be involved in a, a team going for trophies all the time and Champions League football. And, you know, you can bring off the bench, you know, she's a little live wire. As you say, she knows where the back of the net is. And it's definitely something to look at uh, in the, in the summer. Yeah, and if she's playing for us, she can't score against us. Exactly. <laughs> now, hopefully lots for us. Uh, Emma say Emma Hayes said afterwards she would have liked a clean sheet, but after Sunday's performance, she can't be picky. She applauded the bounce back, and, and, and it's one of the many reasons she loves our team so much. She added, we were outperformed on every level at the weekend, but what a great reaction response from the team. They would have played Sunday night if given the chance. And that is it, isn't it, Sophie? You know, the bounce back, the reaction. You know, it's clearly the business end of the season and it's more about getting the wins and results than necessarily the performance and clean sheets. Yeah, definitely. It, we had to win last night because if we didn't win last night, then we couldn't go back. If we beat Man U on Sunday, we couldn't go back top of the league, regardless of if we if we thrashed them, if we thrashed them on Sunday. So we had to win last night in order to keep it in our own hands. So, yeah, the win was as important as the performance and the fact that she made seven changes and those players came in and performed at the level they did, which I think in previous seasons isn't something that's always happened. Those players that have come in haven't always performed at the level we as a club need them to perform at. Um, and I think that, that that's a big positive for us in that those players are coming in and you're not necessarily noticing the the difference between them and the the other players. 
But Yelena Chankovic was the Sky Sports woman of the match. Uh, that win put us back up to second place, one behind, one point behind Manchester United with a game in hand. One other game was played last night in the WSL. Arsenal beat Liverpool 2-0. That leaves the table looking like this. In first place, Man United are on 35 points, having played 14 games. In second, we're, we are on 34 points, having played 13 games. Third, Manchester City with 32 points, they've played 14 games. Fourth, Arsenal with 29 points, they've played 13 games. Fifth, Aston Villa on 23 points, they've played 14 games. Sixth is Everton on 19 points, they've played 13 games. Seventh, West Ham with 16 points, having played 14 games. Eighth, Liverpool on 11 points, they've played 13 games. Ninth, Reading on 10 points, they've played 14 games. Tenth, Spurs on nine, nine points, they've played 13 games. Uh, 11, Brighton with eight points, having played just 12 games. And unfortunately, Leicester propping up the table with six points, they've having played 13 games. So Spurs are only three points ahead of Leicester. Yes, well, unless I've, I've, I wrote down the wrong things, I'm sure that's uh, that's right, which was a surprise because that's only three wins for, for Spurs out of a, a possible 13 games, which is not good. And you think they've got the team and made some decent signings, but they're definitely not getting the results. Well, that's the end of part two. We'll be back shortly to give our team and score predictions for this Sunday's WSL top of table class with Manchester United. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. On Sunday, we face Manchester United in the WSL at Kings Meadow. Kickoff at 1230 after the 3-1 defeat to us on the 6th of November, Manchester United have gone an impressive 13-game unbeaten run in all competitions. Along the way, seeing off Arsenal, Aston Villa, Spurs and Liverpool, to name a few. For a few years now, they have been threatening to break the recent top three of us, Manchester City and Arsenal. This season, though, they really do look like the real deal. Have you been impressed with them, Sophie? And what do you view as a successful season for them? I have been impressed with them. Um, I think that the England contingent that are there winning the Euros has probably done as much for them as anything else has because they know how to win games and how to see games out now. Um, and I think that's probably helped their mentality. A successful season for them, I think they need to get to the cup final for it. If if they don't win the league, they need to get to the cup final. They need to be in the hunt for a trophy somehow this season for it to be considered a successful season. Um, if I was a United fan, that's what I'd be expecting. Do you think getting to the cup final might help keep Rusu, or do you think she's already gone? I think it depends. I think it depends if they get Champions League football. I, I think if they got to the cup final and won it and didn't get Champions League football, she'd be gone. If they don't win anything but get Champions League football, I think there's a chance she'll stay. But... I don't know if it's just about that. I don't know if there's a there's rumours that she's just not happy with the the level of contract that's come that's been given her. Is there any other other rumours that might see her come back to London and especially put a blue shirt on? I would hope so, but I just have a feeling that 
she's not going to want to play second fiddle to Sam Kerr for a couple of seasons. Mm. Um, having said that, I think she's yet to be the finished article. So she comes in if she if if she would if she could come to Chelsea, it would be amazing. Uh, I think she she could add something a little bit different. And Sam, after the World Cup, I think could suffer a bit of a, a World Cup hangover, mm. um, and that worries me for the start of next season. Um, so I think we need somebody that can come in and be all guns blazing. And um, there's not to say Aruso won't won't have a World Cup hangover, but it's not a home World Cup like it is for Sam. Sam's admitted that her whole season this year is building up to the World Cup. Um, so I think there'll be a bigger come down from her than the England players, if even if they don't win it. So um, I just I can't see it. I think I, I don't know where she'll end up, but I would be ecstatic if she ended up at Chelsea. But I can't see it. I suppose the hard part for her is she's an out and out forward and where you can sort of adapt uh, Fran and, and Penilla. And as we've seen with Lauren, who did actually play play out front a few times for United, you know, can you adapt him behind Sam? But with, with Rusu, you can't, can you? With Lesser, you know, she has to be up top. So it would mean Emma would have to change formation and have two up top because you then couldn't move Kerr back. You know, she's an out-out forward. You'd have two out-and-out forwards. I think it's a good point you made about potentially having a World Cup hangover. You know, Sam Kerr has been at the level for so long and people... I don't know if people or Chelsea fans sometimes get a little bit too spoilt and 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 they wait for her to to dry up and it's usually at the beginning of the season where she sometimes takes a while to get going uh, and 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 all the criticism comes on social media. Uh, people clearly haven't learned their lesson because eventually you know she picks up and she starts banging the goals in. I suppose I don't know if she's twenty nine or, or thirty yet, Sam. I don't know if she's reached, but still, she's she's probably she's still got so many years. So many years left in her, you know, at the top level. So it would be, it would be a hard one to 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 know what to do with Russo, unless, as I said, you're going to adapt to 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 up front. And uh, but we play so many games as well. And if you if you viewed example, would have had her now, it would have been perfect for us. Uh, but in that big game, you'd still need to somehow find a way to play play them both up front. Anyway, that's the. That's, uh, yeah, we don't obviously know. We don't know about rumours. I don't hear any. I don't know whether Dean Jane or any of our other guests were. But, uh, you know, when you when you, when you you see old pictures of Russo in a blue shirt, you know, it would be lovely to have her back. I don't know if she's personally a Chelsea fan. Uh, but... No, she's a United fan. Well, well that's the end of those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> right, so my predicted lineup for this. I actually, I just, I just want to say, actually, I, I think... Uh, you know, I've, I've been a bit critical of of Mark Skinner over the years. You know, you know, I watched a lot of the, uh, the 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 football in America, and he was the Orlando Pride manager, which which I uh, which you know I've I've stated on this show quite a few times, and he's had you know some of the world's best players in his team at the Pride, but he struggled. But then then again, I think I don't know if it was the Pride organization in general, and it didn't go well for him there. And the first chance of of a move back here, he took it, which went down really badly, but. To be fair, although I think you can get at their defence, I you know I have been impressed with, with 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 how with how he has is improved United this season, and uh, I always thought he used to blab on a little bit too much and would talk 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 to you and all the commentators in general, like you know he knew it all and and what 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 the support was watching, what was a different thing, but you know hats off to him a bit like Jonas at the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of this show. Sorry, I don't like to do it, but sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say. You know what? You know, I I can't appreciate it, but I can see you actually are doing well. Uh, back to my predicted lineup. You know, this is obviously my opinion. Uh, 
And let me also state that God knows what the formation will be. It could either be a 4-3-3, a 4-5-1 or a 4-2-3-1. So I'm going with Musevic in goal, a back four from our uh, right back to left back of Charles, Buchanan, Bright and Carter. I'm going to have in at left back. A midfield of Ingle, Cuthbert and Fleming, especially Fleming for just her energy and her buzzing around, I think would need it in a game like this because I believe United are quite strong in midfield and attack. Wrighton on the left, James on the right, and obviously Sam Kerr up front. Uh, Sophie, any thoughts and anything if you'd like to slag me off and change and kick me out of the... Uh, no, no, not Picking the team or whatever. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if Berger started. I think, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if she comes back in for that game. Um, as for the rest of it, uh, I don't know. The team I'd like to see is I'd like to see... Magda, Millie and Buchanan in the in the defence, whether that's as a back three or Magda at left back. Yeah. Um, Do you then have to have Guru at left wing back though? Possibly. Um, true. Or, yeah. Um, and I'd like to see, I, I'd like to see Periset start as well. I think she's a, a, a very good player. Um, but who knows what Emma's going to do. I think Ingle and Cuthbert definitely come in. Um, whether it's Fleming or Chankovic, I don't know. And then up front, I think Guru, James and Sam are, are nailed on. I think those three, Millie, Erin and Sophie, are the only definites. I think everything else we can uh, we can, we can, can guess, but who knows what Emma's going to do. Yeah, it's always the tough one, isn't it, with the goalies? You know, every time we try and call it, we'll get it wrong. Started to happen recently with Magdalena Buchanan. I don't know why. Why Kadisha was out the side for for recent weeks, and uh, but going back to Sophie and and Erin, you know they were pulled over a lot in midfield, and that was probably their their weakest and poorest game of the season. And they'd be they'd be probably both be desperate to uh, get back get back on the field, you know, to to rectify that. You know, Let, let's let's remember that they're, they're not robots; they are humans. You know, you, you can't always put in that stellar performance, but you know what a great game to get back on form against you know the current league leaders if 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 we win you know we'll go two points uh, clear of them with with still with a game in hand and potential win of again it's a whiff of, of five points yeah yeah it does scare me this game then go no this game and the city away game um they do scare me because yeah in between with the leon games either side of it in sort of like four matches time our, our season could be over apart from the fa cup equally on the that's the pessimist in me and the optimist mm. in me saying, well, we could have a title against Barcelona to be looking forward to and five points clear in it or two points clear in the, in the WSL. So. You do get those games, don't you? In the men's, I'm, I'm Liverpool away. There's just something about that game. I just don't know, enjoy, but in the women's again, it's whenever we play Arsenal, I'm always a bit tetchy. And, and like you said, city away, uh, always, always used to get me. They've obviously changed a lot of their team now. And haven't got as much of those annoying players that, that used to always perform against us. But you're right. It's funny how you you see some games and it sort of makes you feel uneasy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just, yeah, I again, I just, whether United have got the mental issues with us that Arsenal did have, I don't know, because they've never beaten us, so... But if they're going to do it, now's going to be the time they do it. But we have got a good record at Kings Meadow. Um, so it's not an easy place for away teams to come to and, and play well. And to be fair, we heard a lot of this noise before 
before the trip up to Manchester in November and we beat them 3-1. Yeah, which everybody seems to forget. Mm. I know you don't do predictions, Sophie, uh, and your friend hasn't done one for you have they, this week. So no, you're gonna I've leave got to it... ask them this week. So, so you're going to leave it all up to me. I'm going to predict it's going to be a tight 2-1. Now, you I, hopefully you'll like the sound of that. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that every day of the week. I'll take a scrappy one nil win as long as it's a win. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, as as we said earlier, you know, it's that time of the season where it's not about performances, it's not about clean sheets, it's about the three points and what position it will put us in. Who's our game in hand against? Liverpool. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Okay. Okay, that'll be interesting. But Liverpool seem to do struggle. You know, I was quite impressed with them in the cup against us. But you know, last night I don't know how well they played. Losing to Arsenal, but they they seem to be very hit and miss. Liverpool. Sadly, that is all we have time for this week. You know, I'd like to thank Sophie Spittle for being such an amazing guest. You know, no doubt we'll all hear from you again real soon. Thank you for coming on, Sophie. Thanks for the invite, Dane. It's been a pleasure as always. I know. I know you don't use Twitter a lot, but you know, if you want to put your handle out there for people to follow, just in case you decide to start using it anytime. Uh, yeah, it's at Traveller74. I've got to brave. It's locked at the moment. I've got to brave unlocking it. And then I'll then I'll probably interact a little bit more. I haven't quite got that far with it yet. So, Do you want to put your Instagram one out there as well? Uh, yeah, Instagram is at Sophie underscore Spittle. I do post quite a lot on that. Okay, that's good. Are you what more like travelling and pictures and or just anything in general? Uh, travelling, football pictures. Oh, yeah, nice. that's mainly it. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, make sure you follow them then. If you want to, if you want more from us, then then make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mo Kings Meadow and Instagram at Went to Mo Kings Meadow. You can follow me on Twitter at dwit Nine, the regular host Dean Mears at Dean Mears, and co-host Jane Chapel at Jane Chapel X. Before I go, I'd just like to end with acknowledging yesterday's wonderful International Women's Day, and to add to that, my amazing announcements. Firstly, from our club and the Chelsea Foundation regarding a new initiative to help 5,000 young girls get into football. And secondly, the government announcement that strives to help every girl in England be given equal access to football and school sport. Both these are very important topics. They came up too late, unfortunately, for tonight's show, but they will be covered in our next show next week, where we'll only have one game to review. Thank you for listening and supporting our show and our women's team. Take care, everyone. Have a good rest of the week, which hopefully ends with us top of the league. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 